Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Krista. And you're listening to Practical Prepping Quick Tips. This episode is brought to you by the book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It's available from our website or through Amazon. With all these disasters that we've seen recently, we've seen flooding, we've seen hurricanes, and with hurricane comes much destruction. In addition to water damage, you have trees down, you have roofs that have been torn off or damaged and leaking. So let's talk about some of the folks that want to volunteer in disaster relief. It's a great thing to want to volunteer, but there's some things that we need to be careful about when we look at volunteering after disasters. One, please do not self-deploy immediately after a disaster. Well, mainly because the roads and the power outages and the lines down, it's a physically dangerous thing to do and you need to leave it to the authorities to be there and you've got search and rescue still going on exactly and so we don't want to go in too early and create more of a problem and in addition it's a logistical nightmare with everybody showing up in the same place bringing bottled water you know there's other things that we need and it's needed in more than one place exactly And you'll also find that there's controlled access when you're trying to get in there. In the initial disaster scenes, disaster areas, impact areas, a lot of times only credentialed workers can initially get in. Now, who is a credentialed worker? Well, oftentimes it's folks who have a job to do. I am one in that I've gone in providing communications, I've gone in providing assessment, and things like that. So it's folks who uh, can... Have the authority to be there. Who have the authority to go and be there. Now, some of these disasters require a volunteer check-in, and some even require an orientation and safety briefing especially early in the disaster. Now, let's look at these situations in Florida with, and, and in the Carolinas that were destroyed by the hurricanes. Much of that has now been lifted and other folks can go in and help. When you look at going in, especially if you're going in for an extended period of time, you've got to be housed, you've got to be fed, And you got to be provided with the basic necessities. And it takes some time to arrange for those places to sleep and how to eat. And there's certain things that you have to take with you. And so when we're looking at allotting the resources, which can be chainsaw teams, mud out crews, these are very much needed after hurricanes but we don't want to go in too quickly. Right, because that just complicates Mm -hmm. what needs to be done, and now your presence there, unauthorized or without the proper training, you you might actually be getting yourself in for trouble that you needn't do. You could be, and I've seen it happen. Now, one of the ways to deal with this is connect with another organization, and I would say start with your church. You know, we were talking about this in Sunday school uh, this morning. The Southern Baptist disaster relief teams in the state of Alabama are, are 
nationally well-known. The American Red Cross can't do what they do without these faith-based organizations that are a lot of times first on the scene and have the credentials, they have the resources and the training and the leadership to have the oversight, to have a plan, Mm -hmm. and then to know how to dispatch that plan because they don't want everyone in one county with bottles of water. They dispatch into the areas of need, and then they know how to dispense the resources that are needed at that time. You mentioned Southern Baptist in Alabama. It's actually the Southern Baptist Convention all across the United States, and each state maintains its own organization and the convention calls up what state is needed, and they won't take Kansas to go to Florida when Alabama's ready to go. Oh, sure. So, you know, they're, they're smart about that. But they look and say, okay, call Alabama. Alabama looks and says, okay, what's our next district? I think we have 12 districts in Alabama, and so this district went last. This district is next. And so if that district has the teams that are needed, they activate them. That district looks at the various associations that have made teams, and the associations look at the various churches. And the reason that it came up in Sunday school this morning is a team out of our Sunday school class and our church is going down next week. And so we're, what, a month after the hurricane? They usually serve about a seven-day period. They serve a week at a time when they go. But when they leave here, they will know where to report, and the housing will already be taken care of for them. Yes, they they run this operation with such care and precision because Mm -hmm. they want to go to be of help. Right. They don't want to create new burdens on an already completely decimated community. Now, don't get in mind that particularly Southern Baptists have waited a month to go in. No, That's no, no. Not the they, case. they were there as soon as they were there allowed. Was, there was a team that was en route as soon as that hurricane went through. I know Samaritan's Purse got Samaritan's in Purse very did quickly. it, but Southern Baptist sends in feeding teams initially because Southern Baptists, those guys with the yellow shirts and yellow caps, They prepare 80% of the food that is distributed by the Red Cross or the Red Crescent worldwide. Mm. See, they have these mobile feeding teams that can fit into the cargo hold of a 747 and go anywhere in the world. I said 747, a 737, and go anywhere in the world. So they were there to go in, but it still takes about three days before these folks can begin to get food out into the community. Oh, sure. So that's why we want to be absolutely certain as preppers at a very minimum that we have three days worth of provisions. But I mentioned connecting with an organization. Start with your church. That might be a great place to do that. You can call the American Red Cross. They distribute the food into the communities. Now, there's usually some training classes that get you ready for that, and sometimes those only take a couple of hours to do. And the Red Cross also provides financial and logistical services, not only to disaster victims, but to single families, the victims of house fires. They report to pretty much every house fire 
uh, at least in this area, to be able to provide assistance. Now, the Salvation Army, they distribute food and they provide feeding kitchens that prepare food. And my first wife even went to Biloxi, Mississippi and worked with the Salvation Army for seven days in cooking for them. There's a time that your local church groups can get together and we're really looking at day trips here. We've seen this a lot of times where a church youth group will partner with another church and the church that they're going to already has some things in place. They know where they need to work and they have a plan for feeding them for lunch. But these folks come in and work in one or two families' houses or their yards. There's a lot of debris pulling that can be done. There's a lot of cleaning that needs to be done. And you can also connect with local service organizations that will go in and do day trips as well. Something else you want to think about, and that is back to the, the individual person just the the ordinary citizen who has a heart for the people that have been impacted by these storms and these flooding or wind events. It's true that you may want to go and and be, you know be the hands and feet of Jesus as it were to try to help people physically, but it actually would be more helpful if you would stay home and let those that are trained go in and do it and if you would just send your financial gifts mm-hmm. That helps more than anything because already trucks filled with supplies are already en route to these places, but they have to get on the scene to know even more fully what's needed. And it takes money to make the purchases of what's needed. So your dollars are the most important way that you as an individual can help when you're really not qualified to go Send your money because your money is going to go to assist what needs to be done. And I can't stress that enough that it helps more than you realize. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Even if it's giving it to your local church organization for disaster relief, that can provide the fuel for a gap for a chainsaw team to get to the impact area. Exactly. Now, if you live within close driving distance and you want to participate, There will still be plenty of work to do a month or six weeks or two months down the road, and you can go in and you and your buddy can find a place to work and help some folks out. So we just don't want everybody to take off and self-deploy right after the hurricane goes through because you're going to have trouble getting in, and you may wind up having to sleep in your car. Right. Just there, There are those that are on the ground that know what their job is and Mm -hmm. they know how to do it well. And I commend Mark because Mark has been on these disaster teams. Mark has been in charge of disaster teams. He knows exactly how this unfolds. And he has seen how it's done the right way. And he has seen others that had a good heart on them, Mm -hmm. but they did things the wrong way. And they actually contributed to more problems. And that is the last thing anybody would want when you're going into a hurricane ravaged area when these people are already at a loss so uh, just be thoughtful and be mindful and also take care to understand that this is a wake-up call for preparedness Mm -hmm. as well as mark alluded to that this is one of the many reasons why we do prepping is because we may be in a hurricane situation sometime we may need that three days worth of food if we're 
impacted in that way. So there's a reason why things happen that way, because, you know, like I always tell you, stuff does happen. So you've got to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.